0: Log Talk Radio Hello <clears throat> Hello and welcome to episode eleven of Darker Demons. When we left off our uh, Alexandra had just been stabbed and Jake saved her life and Tom confronted Jake but Jake just said, I'm gonna stay here until I know Alexandra's okay and why don't you go home? And Claire came out and told Tom to go home, so he did. And now it's the next morning after the attack. And Tom is just kind of coming to getting ready for the day. Abruptly regaining his senses, he finds he is kneeling on the floor of the shower alone. He dresses, grabs a beer, and goes outside to sit at the patio table. It is early morning. The heat has not yet taken hold of the city. Voices carry on the still air. Snippets of Cajun music come and go as cars slowly navigate the narrow streets. Revelers returning home pause for one last kiss before saying goodnight. Shaking his head, he thinks, something is happening to me, something I don't understand. Trying to help Alexandra, he has only succeeded in creating more grief for her. He feels as if his soul is being sucked away a little more each day, as if he is becoming a hollow shell, a virtual human. Confusion has become his constant state of mind. Did Jake try to kill Alexandra or did he actually save her life? Does Alexandra love Jake? Did she really have an affair with Caitlin? Even the bedrock of his love for Alexandra has been undermined. Thinking maybe it's time for him to put all of it behind him and move on with his life, he goes inside to get another beer. Opening the drawer to retrieve the bottle opener, he sees the bloody knife. Lucian's phone rings as he is preparing to head to the court of the two sisters for breakfast. Recognizing Claire's number, he answers, inexplicably afraid of what he will hear. Lucien, it's Claire. She's all right, but Alexandra was dead last night after she left us. I'm on my way, he says, not even taking the time to ask any questions. Somewhat surprised by the depth of his concern for his daughter, he doesn't waste time traveling by conventional means. He simply closes his eyes and imagines himself within the walls of the convent. When he opens them, he is in Claire's office. Startled, she looks up from her desk and nods a greeting. Lucian, don't worry. She's going to be fine. You needn't have rushed over here. My daughter was stabbed. I should have been protecting her. This is my fault, he says. Don't do this to yourself. It isn't anyone's fault. Come on, I'll take you up to see her, Claire says, taking his hand and leading him up to her room. Sleeping quietly, a look of absolute peace on her face, Alexandra is unaware of her visitors. She is Lorelei reborn, her father says. In appearance, yes, Claire assures him. Her personality, let's just say she is definitely your daughter. Alexandra awakens. Looking up into her father's face, she feels for a moment like a child. Daddy, what are you doing here, she asks. Where else would I be when my daughter is hurt, he says, reaching down to brush the hair out of her eyes. Eyes now filled with tears. Perching on the edge of the bed, he asks how she is. I'm fine. The knife wound hurts a bit, but I'll be fine, she answers. To know if Alexandra has any idea who her assailant was. He seems unconvinced when she answers no. Explaining she was caught from behind and couldn't see the person's face, she can tell he is still expecting an answer. Claire interrupts, telling Lucian there's no way for her to identify the culprit. My daughter, she would not need to see the physical, only the essence. The eyes aren't necessary for that, he says. Now I'll ask again, who stabbed you? Closing her eyes, she goes back to the previous night. She is running as fast as she can, then exhausted, she slows to a walk. Out of breath, she can smell the fear rising off her body. A dizzy feeling is sleep- sweeping over her. She sees the face of a strange woman, then Tom, then the woman again, as if they are two sides of the same coin. She is about to turn around when she feels the blade. It plunges deep into her back with a searing heat. Nothing has ever felt so horrible, so painful. Her spirit is wounded. Her flesh is infected by the evil weapon. Blinded by agony, she calls out for Jake and falls to the ground, already covered in blood. Opening her eyes, she sees her father's furious face. Demanding to know who Tom is and where to find him, he jumps up from the bed. Please, it wasn't his fault. I felt there was another spirit inside him, a spirit consumed with hatred for me. And for my mother, she says. Seeing Claire's hand brush upwards <clears throat> to cover her mouth, she senses this description means something to the witch. What is it? Do you know who the woman is? she asks. Nodding her head, Claire answers, Possibly. It sounds like Magdalene. But is that possible, Lucian? Turning to her father, Alexander can see he recognizes the name. He asks Claire to explain. Magdalene was once your mother's friend, but your mother had something she desperately wanted, your father's love. It drove them apart. With each year that passed, Magdalene's heart grew darker. Your father wanted to get rid of her, but your mother refused to allow it. Alexandra asks why. Her father answers because she loved Magdalene and refused to blame her for anything. Then, Magdalene tried to murder your mother. Claire looks at Lucian to finish the story. Dying heavily, he says, Even then, your mother fought me. However, she was wounded and did not have her full strength. I don't know if I could have done what I did if that had not been the case. I caught Magdalene alone and in a vulnerable state. I swung my axe, aiming for her neck, but she was swifter than I anticipated. The blade entered her heart and killed her. Her body at least was dead, but her foul spirit escaped. I believed then that I had sent her spirit to the void where she would remain for all eternity. Now I think I may have only succeeded in releasing her spirit from the physical body in which it was residing. You tried to cut off her head, Alexandra asks, horrified. It's the only way to be sure the spirit of a witch or warlock travels to the Akashic realm. Otherwise, the spirit can escape and enter any available host, including the body of the killer. Claire explains, Fortunately, your father was strong enough to overcome Magdalene, even at the moment of her death. Lucian says, I realize now her spirit must have gained possession of some living creature. She has been waiting for the opportunity to return for her revenge. But Tom... The look on her father's face is all the confirmation she needs. No, there must be some way to save him. I'm sorry, Alexander. Truly I am, he says. Claire and Lucian leave Alexander to rest. Once back in Claire's office, Lucian turns to her saying, how is Magdalene able to pen- penetrate Lorelai's spell of protection and almost kill my daughter? Claire answers, I wish I knew. Maybe the spell grows weaker as the time nears for Lorelai's spirit to depart. Magdalene must have had opportunities before this, but the spell was still too strong to break through. Lucian asks, I have heard there are others looking for Alexandra, others who believe the legends of the passageways and believe she is the key. Is it true? You know Lorelai believed it, she tells Lucian, and I have no doubt there are others. I believe it is the truth. Don't you? If it is... Lucian doesn't finish his thought. He turns away from Claire and disappears. Claire calls Rosalind into her office to explain the relationships of Magdalene, Lorelei, and Lucian. She tells Rosalind she and Lucian believe Magdalene is possessing the body of <clears throat> Alexandra's friend Tom. It was Tom who stabbed Alexandra, she says. But how is that possible? Rosalind asks. Isn't she under Lorelai's protection? We think the spell might be getting weaker, Claire explains. Whatever the reason, it is imperative we keep her here. Returning to her room to check on Alexandra several hours later, Claire finds nothing but an empty bed. Holding the weapon in his hands, Tom is overwhelmed by the memory of wounding Alexandra. Seeing her body collapse, knowing he had inflicted the injury had almost driven him insane. Realizing he needs to warn Alexander to stay away, he drops the knife and grabs his phone. He begins pressing the buttons, but the phone flies out of his hand. It hits the wall and shatters. Frantically, he searches for something with which to write. Pulling open drawers, scattering the contents onto the floor, he finally locates a pen and a scrap of paper. He begins writing his note. The paper bursts into flame. If I am dead, I won't be able to hurt her. He picks up the knife again. It dissolves into dust, runs through his fingers, and scatters. Stop it, he screams at the enemy inside of him. I won't let you do this. Racing to the door, he grabs the knob and pulls. The door won't budge. Pounding until his knuckles are bloody, he screams and curses. He can feel the spirit inside him becoming stronger as his will weakens. He temporarily surrenders. Exhausted from the struggle, Magdalene guides Tom's body to the bedroom. I will pay a visit to Gregory later. Right now, I need to rest. Observing herself in Tom's mirror, she is pleased with the reflection. Stripping, she runs her hands across the muscular chest, down the strong thighs. I will enjoy using the body of her beloved friend to destroy Alexandra, she thinks. Jacob awakens again in darkness. Still shaken by his experience, he rises slowly. He is unaccustomed to the feeling of vulnerability insinuating itself into his mind, unaccustomed to feeling much of anything at all except hunger and desire. Realizing he is famished, he assumes his human form and dresses to go out. He calls to Aaron, who responds immediately, His relief at seeing his master is apparent. I'm glad to see you are feeling better, he tells Jake. Feeling better, Jake replies. Of course, my mistake. I meant to say, I'm glad your health has been restored to its former state. Thank you, Jake replies. Aaron tries not to show his surprise at his master's reply. Where would you like to dine tonight, he asks. Jake hesitates, unsure whether he should go to Alexandra. She still has not contacted him, hasn't thanked him for saving her life. I'm not sure, he answers. It is the first time he has ever spoken these words. Sir, I know it's not my place, but I know, Aaron. I need to go to her, and I will soon, Jake says. For now, make a reservation for me at Commander's Palace and tell him, Tell them to decant a bottle of the Chateau Talbot-Saint-Julien for me. It is a long walk to the restaurant. While en route, Jake is aware of the lustful glances cast his way. His fluid appearance attracts humans of both sexes. On any other night, he would select one to enthrall, but not this night. The maitre d'is shows Jake to his usual table, overlooking the large oak tree. It was Alexandra who had chosen the table. The waiter appears, and Jake orders a rare steak. Okay, I think we're running out of time for this week, so I guess we'll end it here. And I hope that you will tune in next time for Episode 12. And in the meantime, if you're anxious to find out how all of this ends, you can go to Amazon.com or BarnesandNoble.com or If you have a Kindle, you can get the Kindle version of the book and read it and find out. And if not, you can keep listening. And at some point, hopefully, there will also be an audio version of the book. So that's it for this week and and again next time.